0: You're listening to the Build and Bloom podcast with host Jessica Whitaker, an educator of film and digital photography to beginners, both in workshops across the globe and online. Creator of the Build and Bloom group on Facebook, one of the largest and most engaged photography communities with over 60,000 members and founder of Nonprofit Sister Sister, a monthly networking group for young women in media. Jessica Whitaker cuts the fluff and will help you to grow your photography business with practical, actionable tips in every episode. If you're ready for a roadmap to a better personal and professional balance, then Build and Bloom podcast will help encourage, empower, and educate you to not only build your dream business, but sustain it. And now, here's your host, Jessica Whitaker.
1: This podcast episode is brought to you by my business basics class. I teach you the eight essential steps to get your business legal and legit so you can watch it bloom. You'll learn the basics of what is an LLC and the first steps to opening one up, opening a business bank account, how to find an accountant, what is bookkeeping and how can you do it yourself to save some money, what contracts and legal documents to consider and where you can buy them, the starting point for saving for your retirement, how to find a financial advisor and where to start looking for business insurance. When you avoid getting all these ducks in a row, you are risking getting sued, paying more in taxes, and missing out on turning your income into more money. Head to jessicawittaker.co slash basics to enroll. Hey photographer, Jessica Whitaker here, and welcome to the Build and Bloom Photography Podcast. I am going to be sharing with you five things that I would do if I was starting a photography business. Now, I did this on my YouTube channel, but it was shorter format, and I have so much more to say on all five things that I'm going to be going through. So I thought, let's start with a little rundown, and then we will jump right in. So number one, I would get an SSD instead of an external hard drive. Number two, I would spend money on a virtual assistant before I spend money on an online course. And this is coming from someone who teaches online courses and does have paid offerings. Number three, I would invest time into optimizing my website and my SEO before social media. Number four, I would embrace using AI for editing and for culling. I know that's going to be quite controversial. And then number five, I would invest in lawyer drafted contracts rather than piecing one together. So if that sounds good to you, let's hop right into number one. I would use a solid state drive, often abbreviated as a SSD, and use that to edit over an external hard drive. So let's talk about the differences. A solid state drive, and I'm going to call it an SSD from here on out, is a hard drive that has little to no moving parts in it. So Generally speaking, the ones that us photographers use are usually going to be very, very tiny in comparison to an external hard drive. A common external hard drive is a Lacie, or a WD, my passport, and they are a bit larger in size and they're pretty thick. And you can usually hear them moving. You can hear all the parts inside spinning. Sometimes it might be vibrating and getting a little overheated (laughs) at times. So to put it simply, because of all the moving parts with that external hard drive, it is just going to run slower than the solid state drive. So how I use both in my workflow, is I have all of my active projects on the SSD and I backup up my files on the external hard drive and that's where I'll also like have my archive, but I do not edit my files with the external hard drive plugged in, rather I edit on the SSD because it is so much faster. It's much faster to import and to export and then when you're in Lightroom editing the photos, for me also editing video files and I use large video files because I'm recording on a Canon R or my Mark 4. So these are really big files that a lot of the times <laughs> my Final Cut Pro will crash because my computer, even though it's a newer computer, it has the M1 chip and I know Apple now has the M3 chip. So, you know, I'm a few models behind, but it's a relatively new computer, but it was still running slow. And that is because of me using an external hard drive. So ever since switching to an SSD, my workflow is so much faster and I wish that I would have known this at the beginning of my business. So what I recommend, again, is edit all of your active files and projects on the SSD and simply use external hard drives to back up your images, to also have as your archive. And then once you're done with a project on the SSD, simply move those edited files to an external hard drive. That's how I use it. And that's how I can explain it in really simple terms. And again, I'll have my recommendations linked down below. I think that you need to use, I think that you you don't need, but I think you can use both. But if you are somebody who, let's say you have also had a new computer within the last two or three years and it is just running really slow, or maybe you just bought one last year, before you upgrade your computer, get an SSD because you might find that that just saved you about $1,200 and it was the SSD that you needed, not a new computer. Number two, this is gonna be a bit longer because I have I feel like I have so many disclaimers to say, but I say this all as somebody who does offer online courses and paid education. I recommend before you go and spend $1,000 or $500 on a new workshop, especially as I, I know that so many photography educators, myself maybe included, will be launching workshops in the slower months. So January, February they're gonna be coming out with a lot, which is awesome. But some of you guys might not actually be prepared to take on the new educational content and actually implement it because other areas of your business need your time and attention before you can add more to your plate. So before you spend money on paid education or put a down payment or whatever it's called, a retainer onto a styled workshop this spring, instead, put that money towards a virtual assistant. So a virtual assistant, which often is abbreviated as a VA, is a professional who provides administrative, technical, or creative support to individuals and businesses remotely. A virtual assistant offers a really wide array of different services including repetitive tasks that you do daily or weekly in your business. So something that comes into my mind is responding to Instagram leads, direct messages, responding to comments, just interacting. Maybe if you need help planning out your social media content but you can't afford to like hire a team for social media, they can do anything that is repetitive in your business. Email inbox management, But let's say you're not really at that point yet where you feel like you're super flooded with inquiries. Rather, you just want to optimize what you already have in place. So let's say, for example, you use a client management website like HoneyBook or Dubsado or Unscripted, one of these websites where you get a lead in your email inbox from your contact form on your website and you're able to walk them through an automated workflow or ideally, you could do that, but you just haven't had the time to set up all the different workflows. The brochure that they send and they get automatically once they inquire and then once they put the deposit, they automatically then get the contract and then you get a couple emails leading up to the photo shoot and then something that then after the photo shoot will request a testimonial. There's so many different ways that you could customize a pipeline is what it's called in HoneyBook but you just have not had the time to actually sit down, figure it out, and then implement it, a virtual assistant can actually do that for you. Even if they don't have experience in HoneyBook the same way that they do with Dubsado, they are so versed and so savvy in technology that they can easily learn it and implement it into your business. So just think about all these maybe loose ends that you have been meeting to tie up but just have not had the time or the bandwidth because you're barely keeping up with your photography business because you're also in school and working a full-time job or maybe you are like me in college, finishing your degree and working a full-time job and a part-time job until 10 p.m. at night. If I had known about virtual assistants and spending 200 or $300 a month on them, I would have ended up saving so much time and ultimately money by having somebody else set up these things for my business and let's say that you're wanting to start a new venture so maybe you want to launch a podcast or a youtube channel a virtual assistant can manage the podcast for you they can pitch you for new podcasts they can create media kits for you let's say that for me i have a virtual assistant who helps me in my facebook group she used to i mean she's done so much for me and as the Months go on and as my business ebbs and flows with different needs, I'm able to add more or pull back on different things. So, for example, I was having her for like three or four months do Instagram comments and direct messages and manage all of that for me. But then I found after just looking at the data, I wasn't really getting that much on Instagram that I needed help on. So I just allocated those hours elsewhere. But she manages the Build and Bloom podcast when it comes to having guests on the show. Uh, She's created an amazing Google form that guests fill out before with like questions. So everything is super organized. But mainly right now what she does is help me in my Build and Bloom Facebook group. But when i first brought them on they actually helped me with a workshop launch and just getting that all sorted so i could be kind of hands off on the back end of the workshop launch but they can just do so much for your business that i think it's wiser to spend 300 dollars a month on a virtual assistant for let's say three months rather than a thousand dollars on a workshop in the new year if you do not have all of these other things in your business that you know that you need to implement, done. Because if you add more education to your plate, the chance of you actually implementing it is very low. If you haven't done all these other things in your business that you know you need to do, such as a HoneyBook workflow or updating your website, they could do that for you. There's so much. And then if you do decide, when you do decide to do an online course, you can learn everything you need to learn and write a task list out and the virtual assistant can help you in accomplishing the task list so you're actually able to implement the education. This whole point was honestly what compelled me to make a long-form podcast of the same uh, things I would do differently in my photography business video because I feel like there's different caveats but I just think that Having a virtual assistant early on in your business to just sort everything out is so, so valuable, especially if you are working other jobs. If you have the budget to put towards an online course, I would instead put that first towards a virtual assistant, even if it's just for January, February, March. Um, and in terms of how to find a virtual assistant, there are Facebook groups, there's word of mouth, of course, but I recommend... Um, the agency that I've been going through they're based in they're actually based on the in uh, the Seattle area where I actually live and she trains and has dozens of virtual assistants that Tambor who owns the agency has trained and for me I just have one virtual assistant who has grown with me in my business and who has become extremely familiar and versed in my branding and my brand voice and then if I did want to do like um for instance, actually, I'm building out a new page on my website. So Tambor, who owns the agency, has like a specific VA virtual assistant to be able to build out that page. So I'll have that information linked down below. Or you can also go to JessicaWhitaker.co slash virtual assistant and you could check out all the information. I just like love to recommend them because I've worked with them for a long time now and I love them. I also love that it's really fair pay and it's ethical and they're just super awesome and super flexible and I love also that with my virtual assistant I'm I'm paired so perfectly with her because I love to just leave her like voice memos on texts and she's super flexible with like the communication and they're really professional and because it's through an agency it's not just like one individual person that you're giving like your email password to and there's not a contract like there's so much more like a safety net if that makes sense when you go through an agency so I'll have mine uh, linked down below but we also have a podcast episode coming out more on virtual assistants uh, in the next couple of weeks that you can stay tuned for if you want more information. So number three would be investing time in optimizing and polishing up my website and the SEO of it before I spend time on social media and like establishing that. So social media is really important for consistency, of course, and to post on there and to have some kind of strategy and plan and having you know all the posts prepped and in drafts. But I wish that I would have spent more time on my website and really fleshing out every page and filling out all the SEO boxes for my website before I spent so much time on social. Because with social media, we all know that we're not just going in and posting and then responding to comments and then done. We are like scrolling and scrolling. Some of us, we are doom scrolling. We get caught up in the comparison game. I mean, I've done so many podcast episode and YouTube videos all about this topic. But if I had put all of that time and energy that I spent scrolling in, in the comparison trap into my website, I would have had a lot more um, of a polished up website and something that's actually working for me 24 seven versus social media you post and maybe it's working for you for a couple, you know, 12 hours or whatever and then it gets just lost in the feed. So you probably heard this illustration a lot but social media is rented land. Your website is the only piece of real estate that you actually own online and is working for you 24 seven. So I'm a partner of Squarespace. This isn't sponsored by Squarespace, but I've actually used them for seven and a half years now, I believe. And I've cycled through a lot of different templates with them. So I originally just used one of the Squarespace templates that they provide. And then I had a friend who like kind of, did like a hybrid, like custom coding through one of the Squarespace templates. And then I, a couple years later, I was never happy with it. (laughs) Um, A couple years later, I bought like a third party template that you basically like import into Squarespace. I don't know, it's way over complicated. And then in 2019, I hired somebody to custom code my website, which is what you see now. And it's not that I wish that I had somebody build a custom site for me at the beginning. Rather, I just wish that I wouldn't have had to go through so many different like four phases, three phases with my website before hiring somebody. I wish that I would have been able to stick to one template And just really build that out and build out all of the pages to have as much information and images on them as possible. And I do so many videos on YouTube all about website reviews and mistakes to avoid and how to optimize your website. We even, I, I even have a freebie that I did with my web designer. I'll link it down below. It's like a website checklist, but I wish that, well, okay, one thing that I always, try to drill in people is that on each page of your website you want it to be almost flooding with images. A lot of the times when I do website critiques I see the home page has images and that's kind of it. And then like the gallery of course, but the about me page has maybe one or two photos of the photographer and then the contact page has nothing. It's just kind of blank space in the contact form. Instead, you want to remind a potential client on every single page of why they want to hire you. And the reason is they want to hire you because of your beautiful imagery. But our attention spans are so short that you need to put that beautiful imagery on every single page. And there's a way to design it and a way to balance it. It's Squarespace, whatever platform makes it really easy to do that. But also what I wish that I would have done so I would wish I would have done that, right? Because my original couple of websites only had like <laughs> photos on the about, photos on the homepage, and then the gallery. But I wish I would have spent more time and the SEO of it, which is the search engine optimization. Now, I have a podcast episode with Kat Deline all about SEO for beginners and how to start on it, but with SEO, that basically is how Google ranks your website when somebody searches Seattle photographer or national photographer, national wedding photographer. It helps increase it helps, like, increase your chances of your website being on the first page of Google or the top couple results of Google. But that spe- that means that you have to spend time, like, manually optimizing your website for that. So with Squarespace, and I'm, I don't know if other platforms do this, but um, they actually have these little, like, these pop-ups where you can just enter SEO terms for yourself, and maybe I'm kind of making it overly. I'm starting to kind of. I could feel myself starting to make this a bit confusing and overly complicated. So definitely, I think the next episode you should listen to is the SEO one with Cat. I'll have it linked down below in the description of this podcast. But you can also just scroll down a few episodes and you'll find it. Um, so. I just wish that that so the more SEO that you can do and the earlier on you can do it, the higher chance of it actually ranking in Google. And I wish I would have spent time doing all of that boring stuff with my website and putting in all the SEO information versus being so hyper focused and obsessed with Instagram. And now it's going to be Instagram Reels, now it's going to be TikTok because again, your website's the only piece of real estate that you own and that is working for you 24 seven. Social media, it's important to share for consistency, but I wasted a lot of time on social media. So I'll have that SEO uh, podcast episode linked down below if you guys are interested, so. This episode of the Build and Bloom podcast is brought to you by Contract Contractista, my favorite resource for lawyer-drafted photography contracts. Head to jessicawhitakerco slash photography contracts and use the code BUILDBLOOM15 at checkout for 15% off lawyer-drafted legal documents. Contract Contractista is your one-stop shop for attorney-drafted legal documents for entrepreneurs. Actually, not only are they attorney-drafted by a business and intellectual property attorney, but they're also peer-reviewed by attorneys with over 30 years of experience in contract drafting for multinational corporations. (laughs) Anyways, Contractista actually has bundles specific for photographers that cover portrait photography contracts, wedding photography contracts, plus some legal disclosures that you have to put on your website. Just like you have to have car insurance to drive a car, you have to have attorney-drafted contracts for your clients and websites to run a business. Head to jessicawittaker.co slash photography contract and protect yourself from that just in case. And you can use the code Bloom 15 at checkout for 15% off. That's jessicawhitakerco slash photography contracts. Number four, something that I would do if I was starting my photography business is I would embrace using AI for editing and for culling. And please, before you skip ahead, because I know there's a lot of people who are quite... Uh, against or apprehensive about using ai for editing and i think there's a big misconception here about it so when you think of ai for editing and you're opposed to it you might think of just you know the photoshop generative fill where you can add a bunch of stuff that's not really there which i think is kind of cool when it's used right but i know that there's a lot of photographers out there who consider using ai as cheating and i'm not one of those people now when i'm talking about ai for editing i'm going to be talking about just pattern recognition in lightroom so there's lots of different programs, and I've been experimenting with a handful. I like Imagine. I like AfterShoot. Narrative is also amazing, and it's free. I know that members in Build and Bloom have been telling me about Filter Pixel. Um, but regardless of what program you use, basically, when it comes to AI for editing in Lightroom, the the software is just going to run through Lightroom and detect how you've edited photos in the past and like how what kind of presets you used in the past and predict how you're going to edit this new gallery based on what you did in the past. So it's just pattern recognition. And the program gets smarter as you use it. And you might not love it at first for the first gallery or two and have to do a bit of tweaking, Um, I actually, when I first edited with Imagine, I didn't have to tweak much at all. I was quite impressed. It was how I would have edited. But I know that's not always going to be the case. You might have to make a few tweaks to three or four galleries before it can nail it every single time. And the the software will just get smarter with time and as you edit. So that's a way to save a lot. A lot of time is using AI for Lightroom editing because also a lot of the programs will do cropping for you. I don't do the cropping, but I do the alignment because that is such a tedious task. And I'm very, very particular about how my images are aligned and to align them and it always nails it. And then the other AI program that I think everybody is open to embracing is for culling your photos. So for those who don't know, culling is basically you selecting the images that you want to bring into Lightroom to edit. Now, calling the photos using something like aftershoot or narrative, and I guess Filter Pixel also offers this, is an amazing way to save hours. And also just to save time and frustration, in the Lightroom program itself because you have a third party software that you have your photos selected from the folder and then you call them all in the program and then you set it over to Lightroom and then it's only going to bring in the cold selects it's not like you're bringing in 2,000 images to Lightroom and having that kind of slow down your workflow as well so for example with narrative that's a free program they do have paid programs um, or paid plans but they have a great free option i'll have both of the all of these linked down below where you select your folder It's going to scan through the images and basically, and this is the same for AfterShoot as well, the programs filter out what is objectively bad and selects what is objectively good. And you still have full creative control over the selects and it gets smarter, at least AfterShoot gets smarter with time because AfterShoot is AI. Narrative uses something else similar, I believe, Um, but I don't think that it's, called AI it's something else I don't know um I don't think that they consider it AI so anyway <clears throat> so if your client is blinking or if they are mid-sentence talking if it's out of focus or if it's something is blurry the software is going to filter that out and just show you what is considered objectively good and then you make the selections from there so narrative is like the Baseline, it's going to give you all the basics, and it's amazing. And then aftershoot is like two steps above that, where it actually calls completely everything for you. And you can even select if you want more images, if you want just a standard amount, if you want less. Whereas narrative will just have like what's good, medium, and bad. But aftershoot has a lot more like customization you can do, and then aftershoot also offers editing as well. So whether you use AI for editing in Lightroom or for culling or both together, you will save a lot of time. And when I was starting my photography business years ago, these tools were not available. And had they been, I would have saved hours and hours. (laughs) This podcast episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a client management program. You are able to have your client submit their inquiry form on your website and have this system automate the entire booking process. So once you get that client inquiry, they're popped at the top of your funnel and booked hands-free. So now instead of the cycle of responding to inquiries manually, answering the questions, following up with ghosted clients, you know the drill, this process should now take you 10 minutes because it is automated. So before Before we get back to the episode, let's talk about getting paid. Another feature I love is that you can set up a payment schedule with your clients and HoneyBook will automatically remind them that the payment is almost done and it will invoice them. I love that you can set up various payment schedules with your clients. You can break it down by percentage, exact amount, and HoneyBook will do all the math for you. It will automatically remind them when payments are due or about to be due and it will invoice them so there's no more back and forth for you trying to track down that final payment you can head to jessicawhitakerco slash honeybook to snag a free trial with no credit card required to set up. And if you love it, you'll get 50% off your first year. That's jessicawhitakerco slash honeybook. Number five is investing in lawyer-drafted contracts. And I understand that contracts, batteries, tripods, for me, backpacks, this is all really boring stuff to spend money on but it is necessary in our business. You wouldn't drive a car without insurance, so you should not operate your business without a proper lawyer-drafted contract. Do not. I do not recommend piecing together your contract from various website resources. There are free resources that come with subscriptions, such as HoneyBook, which is that client management website I talked about earlier. So HoneyBook has one. Unscripted, which is similar to HoneyBook also offers a contract, but they are very bare bones. A lawyer drafted photography contract will protect you and your business and they are more customizable. So what I have always recommended to you guys is Contractista and they are at a great price point. And I like that there's just a wedding photography bundle and a portrait photography bundle. I love that it's super simple and that you will be protected. Now, I believe she's going to be doing a Black Friday sale and other resources will probably also be doing a Black Friday sale. So I would just keep your eyes out for that and maybe hold off until a sale comes. I'll be sharing on my email list or on Instagram, as will other photographers, I'm sure. So if you could wait, like, I guess that's only two weeks from now, I would wait until a sale comes by. But if you're listening to this later on afterwards and paying full price... It's better to pay full price and be protected than piece together something on your own. If you're interested in learning more, you can head to jessicowittaker.co slash photography dash contracts. But I'll also have it linked down below in the show notes. And I do have a coupon code that will definitely stack with the Black Friday sale as well. All right, photographer. That was five things that I would do if I was starting a photography business. For everything that I mentioned from the SSD, the solid state drive, to the virtual assistant, to the free photography website, freebies, everything is linked in the description of the show. And I definitely recommend the next episode that you listen to is the one on SEO with Kat Deline. It's a couple of episodes down here um, on the Build a Bloom podcast page. It is so helpful with how to get started this weekend. She explains it in such an easy to understand way. I believe in you and I believe in your business. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Build and Bloom Photography Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Build and Bloom Podcast. If you love the show, leave us a review on iTunes to keep it running. This also helps other photographers to find this free resource. Looking for more? Join over 60,000 photographers in the Build and Bloom Facebook group. Just search for Build and Bloom in Facebook groups to join in the encouraging and empowering community. You can also find Jessica's tutorials and tools on YouTube and Instagram at Jessica Whittaker and show notes and further resources on her website, jessicawittaker.co. Thanks for spending time here. Catch you in the next episode.